0: Cotton candy, sweet as gold. Let me see your tootsie roll. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. You got me in these streets showing out. You got me in these streets showing out. I was popping it. Did you have, did you or did you not have some booty shorts in 1994, and were you not doing the tootsie roll? I got some booty shorts now, and I was doing the (laughs) one-legged tootsie roll, so Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. me too. i wasn't confident enough to wear a booty shorts then but i really needed oh uh, well me. go get you some go get you some now be exactly. confident you only got one life you only got one life there should be this guy named Derek adams in high school shout out to Derek adams he was really tall and he played basketball he was like light-skinned he had green eyes and he was very serious and for like a whole week he was <laughs> He would wait for everybody to look away, and then he would just do one one-legged tootsie roll. And I was the only, only person who <laughs> saw it. And I used because he liked to be to be laughing. I was laughing so hard. I was like, I promise y'all. I was like, cry. I was like, I promise y'all. Derek Adams is doing a tootsie roll. And I was like, shut up, Mark. <laughs> I was like, shut up. But yeah, that was good. That was hype. Let's go. I love Sissy roll. I love that story. I love actually anybody who wants to uh, show us your Sissy Roll, maybe to upload a video. If you got your girl Trek shirt on, we might even got some special prizes for you. Hashtag us Black History Bootcamp. This is your girl Vanessa. I am joined by Morgan. We are on day twenty. This is Friday, day twenty of Black History Bootcamp, our twenty-one episode series, Walking Meditation, which means that tomorrow, Saturday, will be our last day of this series it's going to be an epic celebration it's going to be a live conversation at noon we usually don't do the boot camps on on saturdays but because it's the last day and it falls on our sacred day superhero saturday we are about to get crunk across this country and celebrate the end so make sure you tune in tomorrow saturday at noon for the last episode in this series, but today, Morgan, I cannot think of a better subject line for the crew on a Friday when I know it's starting to warm up all across the United States. I know it's already warm where you are, girl, but it's starting to warm up across the United States, and I feel like people are getting that barbecue and picnic and festival vibe in, and so we are going to talk about the epic cultural phenomenon the event that really defined a generation, several generations, quite frankly. If you go back and look at some pictures, Freaknik, and I want you to just you know, your auntie was out this. there, went you. <laughs> you know, to. your auntie was out there with you. It was several generations. Morgan, for the record, let me tell you, some people look at history and they're like, ooh, I should have been born during the Harlem Renaissance. So some people, like they watch West Love, Summer, Soul, and they're like, oh no, like that's me. Like, you know, I'm I'm Harlem in the 70s. And I don't know what epic era you feel like you're from, but when I look at the Freaknik era, I am like, there is no other place in the world or no <laughs> other era that I think more aligns with my vision for myself than an asymmetrical haircut, a little crop top, a drop top caddy um, some rims and some tootsie roll like a, cro- a little cross color to throw in there <laughs> yes. you must have had a man with a drop top caddy that was very specific he had a 5.0 actually he was playing computer love he picked me up on a date he could not tell me that I wasn't grown it was a, it was uh-huh. a good summer, it was a good summer. <laughs> so good. but let's talk about Freak Nick Morgan I have been wanting to tell this story for so long Partially because I think when I see the pictures of Freaknik and see the videos, to me, I see a level of pure freedom and pure joy and a level of unapologeticness that to me, I define as resistance against, like, a respectability that was also happening, a respectability conversation that was also happening at the time in particular. Vanessa, run. Run. That's a dog, All right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. you I keep talking? I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> help. Uh, yeah. man, I'm sorry. Look, the dogs are the number one, like a... Traffic and then dogs is up there. Like with when, when we talk about barriers to us out here actually walking and we talk, when Morgan and I first got into this walking game, remember Morgan, we would talk about like walking and what the barriers are. And that's why you need Girl Trek in this cultural conversation because we would be like, it's dogs like, y'all just the various dogs out there. We used, to go, we used to go to their conferences, and they were like, it is the built environment and the bridge system and the traffic light. We'd be like, mm it's Pitbull. <laughs> Shout out to Pitbull. Actually, it's not bulls. I had to say goodbye to one of my friends, bulls oh, yesterday. Wow. Rest in peace, Jaga. I love you so much. But it might be Doberman. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Max. I had a Doberman growing up. I love dogs. We love dogs. Yeah, and shout out to everybody who loves dogs and does a really good job at understanding when other people might be afraid of them. I think it's like a, a dance between dog owners and not dog owners. And sometimes our fear is really, many times our fear is black folks with dogs is very unfounded. We shouldn't be as afraid as we are necessarily. And so I had an idea we should start a dog walking company from Girl Check and employ checkers to do it as they walk. Because this is a lot of good money in dog walking. And, and I was like, it sure um, is. It's genius. Right. And it's therapeutic and all sorts of things. I was like, and I saw something actually shout out to Ebony. She sent me this chart about life expectancy. And on the chart, it was like, you know, if you get a knee replacement, you get two more years of life. If you do, you know, these sorts of things. If you own a dog, you get years more of life expectancy. So I was like, that could be like a cool, like part of our workforce development plan and girl check. Because we got a whole 10-point plan like the Panthers, y'all. You better be ready. It's coming this fall, y'all. It anyway, is coming. It's coming. And it combats uh, walking with a dog. Combats not. It's not just a solution for physical activity and exercise, but also for loneliness. So... No, genius idea. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's good. hmm hmm So, first of all, if you're listening to this conversation and you have any pictures of yourself with your finger raised and your poetic justice braids and your cross colors on, go ahead and also share those. Tag us at GirlTrack, hashtag Black Trinity Group Camp. We want to see y'all. So, Morgan, I want people to imagine that this is pre-Twitter, pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook. This is when we had the original social network going on, also known as The Great Five. You just needed to be in the know. Somebody needed to let you know. And I'm starting there because when we, I want us to think about the organizing that a bunch of college students did to create this experience that drew people from all over the country and quite frankly all over the world people started coming and they were doing this on the strength of their ability to promote on the ground like real grassroots organizing is what was happening here and these were young people. Freaknik was such a cultural phenomenon. It was mentioned, of course, in Spike Lee's school days. If there was an entire episode, I don't know if you remember Morgan on a different world when Whitley and Freddie was trying to get their way down to, uh <laughs> to the Freaknik. I was like the Whitney <laughs> and Freddie's where I was like trying to convince my aunt I was too young to be trying to go to Freaknik, but my cousin Rhonda, like my sister, he had just gotten into Howard, nineteen ninety three was her freshman year. And I know her and her friends was sneaking and going and she didn't tell my aunt. <laughs> Yeah, that guy's no longer with the hours. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. But how yep. is is wrong? Is was... older than me? She's three years older than me. So three oh, than me. that's so awesome. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so awesome. Yep. Yeah, she was there smack in the middle of the 90s. She had all the best balls, all the best little cute stuff. And then actually one summer I got to the- Well, well I-, I did go to Freaknik, but Howard Homecoming was a second a second a opportunity second. to have a freaknik like experience. One time, Casey came out to Howard uh, Homecoming when I was there, and he wore this, this tooth set that made it look like he had, like, jack-o'-lantern teeth. And, you know, Casey was cute back in the day. <laughs> I was so sad. He wore it the whole time, Vanessa. And I was like, can you stop acting like that? why? You know, people who are beautiful, they want to act. Yeah, they try to, like, make themselves not look beautiful. I was like, why are you doing this? It had, like, gold teeth and stuff. It was like Martin, how he put some teeth in. (laughs) I was like, why are you doing this? But anyway, sorry. Sorry for the tangent, but. (laughs) No, no, no. It's okay. Tangents are welcome here on Black History Boot Camp. So, Morgan, pre started in 1983 as a small picnic In a public park near the Atlanta University Center. For those of you who don't know about the legendary, (laughs) right? Well, no, it has a reason. I'm gonna get to that. The name and everything, a little bit Rick James, uh, very freaky. So it's all gonna come together. But the AU Center, and this is Atlanta, Georgia, which the Black Mecca, teeming with young professionals, hot weather, the energy is undeniable. And the AU Center is House of Spelman and Morehouse, Park Atlanta, Morris Brown. So this is like the center of also Black academia and Black education. And you have to keep in mind the people who are sending their children to these schools, Morgan, they got dreams and hopes for them to be the next model of the king and all sorts of things. I don't think they're thinking <laughs> that they sent their kids down there to go to the pregnant. But you have this city <laughs> And you also have a rising middle class and also wealth class of black folks who are really claiming ownership of Atlanta at this time. And there was a student on the campus of Spelman College. Shout out to Spelman. Her name was Shyla Goodson. I actually looked her up. I think she's an attorney now, but there's not that much information on her. I think she decided, look, I know I started freaking but I'm growing now, and She's like, I'm this trying to go the straight path. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. but there was oh, she a edited her Wikipedia. She was like, edit. She edited. There's hardly any information on her. And I was her or this other girl. And I was like, look, they got savvy. They was like, yeah, we came up uh, pre-Internet and so we want to keep our stuff pre-Internet. But actually, no, girl, we celebrate, we celebrate thing? you. We celebrate you. And one of the big things about Freaknik, which is why I'm even able to talk about it with such energy right now, is it was one of the first cultural festivals where people were armed with camcorders, Morgan. So it's why we actually have so much footage. So it's 1988, people first get their little, their handheld of uh, those camcorders in their hand and freaking it hits. And so that's part of the reason that it was able Luke end up going down there, Uncle Luke, and he shot a bunch of footage that ended up being in one of his big videos. People came home and they were sharing the camcorder footage. So pre social media, we had some VHSs and you came home with your video and you was like, yo, let me show you what happened. So Sheila is at Spelman College. I just want y'all to picture the Spelman women, and they white dresses, and they pearls, and they doing all the stuff that we don't know about that they do and freaking. It. This is where it all actually came together, because Black women, we got two sides to the coin. We got two sides to the coin. So Morgan, on the AU campus, uh, at the AU Center, it was home to what people called state clubs. State clubs were made up of students who basically came from their common home states, right? And the state clubs would hold social events during the school year. And the state clubs also were kind of like, hey, are you getting, are you riding back to Philly? Are you riding back here? Like, it was how people would organize, like, ride homes and, like, resources to have these talk about crews. Like, you got onto this campus, and it was like, how do I find my way? Well, I'm going to connect with the people who are from my city. So the state clubs, I did not know this, but I was not surprised to find out. It was members of the D.C. Metro State Club because, y'all, I lived in Atlanta. I lived in L.A. I lived a lot of places, but people <laughs> in D.C. know how to party. They know how to party. So I, I DC, was guessing it was going to be Florida. I was guessing it was Florida. Gonna be Florida. Knows, so Florida knows how to party, too. But it was actually the D.C. Metro Club, which was made up of um, folks from D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Shout out to the d and They threw a picnic, actually. First of all, they were constantly competing with the California Club, because we know California goes hard, for who had the most epic end-of-year party. And it was always between the D.C. Club and the California Club. Then spring break had hit, and the D.C. Club ended up throwing a picnic at Piedmont Park, a major park in Atlanta, for students who found themselves stuck on campus over spring break, Morgan. It was a simple event. They had sandwiches, coolers, boombox, like two DJs came out, and that was the birth of the first Freaknik. Now, how does Freaknik go from a small, and they even actually were supporting like a book club and drive, like it was a genuine effort. Like Shyla's vision was not like crop tops and boobs and all the things, but visions can grow, y'all. So after they have this epic event in, in Piedmont Park, Morgan, it actually started to grow. And it was Shiloh who invented the name Freaknik. She combined, of course, Freaky and Picnic. Although there's some reports, and I love even this report, that there was a student, a guy named Rico Brown, there was even a guy. I was like, "Is this a Rico Brown? I know a guy named Rico Brown." So I was like, "Is this the same Rico Brown? Because it kind of sounds true." You know it that's the her. same Rico Brown. You know <laughs> that's Brown? the like, same Rico Brown. You Don't act just, like there you was a Rico LA guy LA. who, like, all the girls like he always had on the best Tommy Hilfiger, like the you remember them like striped shirts with the everybody wanted with the color block.
1: Oh uh, yeah, guy, My boyfriend wanted Those
0: striped shirts in high school and, and Columbus, spent all, and all your money. What? And spent all Why? your money. <laughs> yeah. So it's a debate around who, which one of them actually came up with the name, but obviously they combined Freak and Nick. And it's important because the marketing of it and the branding of it is so genius. It's kind of like the girl who started black girl magic. You're kind of like who started this and there's somebody else now who owns the trademark to it. And we'll talk about that in a second, but organizers of the event, it started to grow and the picnic that year They actually were listening to Freak by Rick James, Morgan LaFreak. And that's why they decided to use Freak as the theme for that year's spring picnic. And then they combined the Freak and the picnic and it became the Freakness. However, enters one of the most phenomenal Black women of our time. We will probably talk about her in another episode. The former president of Spelman College, Johnetta B. Cole. Johnetta Morgan was like, ah. And in 1988, she would banned the D.C. Metro Club from any involvement in treatment. She saw the writing on the wall. She saw the way the event was going. And she was like, Feldman is no longer going to be the person who's behind this event. And she banned D.C. Metro Club from doing it. But the D.C. Metro Club came through with some party promoters because of ATL. And so the D.C. Metro Club in the early 90s passed off the event to two to three, it was three major party promoters, two of them, one was a guy named Ed Rucker, and one was a guy named Ron Green, and they took the festival, Morgan, and started doing the festival at the Lakewood Fairgrounds, and in the first year that they did the festival, 60,000 people were in attendance of that festival, and it's, and they are the ones who then eventually went and trademarked the name Freaknik. Once they started promoting it, non-HBCU people started especially coming to the event, and it became this event that was taking over the city. In 1993, the event had tripled the number of people that were predicted to come. And if you've seen any of the pictures, it was like gridlock traffic, commuters at a standstill, people dancing on the streets and out of their cars. It was like a literally... I'm pretty sure weekend. Key was, I'm pretty sure Key Mason was stuck in that traffic. Shout out to our girl, Key. <laughs> like i sure Key Mason time. was stuck in that traffic. <laughs> exactly. Key exactly seems like she would have been the party, uh, we love you, Key, would have been the party starter for the Freaknit. So it evolved, Morgan, from this picnic into a weekend-long party that included concerts and all sorts of things. And a couple of people were reflecting on it, and there's something to keep in mind that at the time the biggest spring break that was happening was in Daytona Beach Florida and a couple of other beach places around the around the country but black people were like the reason, one of the reasons that Freak Nick was able to grow so much is that rolling around in our cars was actually what we did. It's what we identified with. And we really, although black people certainly went to the beach for spring break, like once Freaknik produced like the beach out of the car, a place where you could show like that was the energy. And people started coming from all of the cities where did could drive through for the dancing, for the drinking, for the lust of it. Quite frankly, it was like it identifiably and unapologetically a black in a Black event. And it was unlike any of the other spring breaks where, by the way, Daytona Beach, Virginia Beach, those places had started to intentionally press out Black people. It's happening right now consistently in Miami with, I don't know if you guys follow what goes on with Spring Break down there, but where the city is just like, there's too many black people coming down here. There's too much disruption. And how do we start to figure out how do we keep them out? Well, that was happening in the other Spring Break cities. And then people started coming to Atlanta from all over for this major event. And Morgan, that's, and I'll also keep in mind, this is the time, the height of, shout out to my former bosses, So Deaf Records, you got crisscross, you got the height of LaFace, you have all these like the. Just vibes shout out to Vanessa Lafayette. who was wearing her fur coat. <laughs> shout out to shout Vanessa wearing her, her. her fur coat. I'm so, so damn. Yes, I'm proud of you. you have all I'm proud of you. Of, I probably, look, I done came up, okay? And I would have actually been an excellent if I had decided to stay as that as a career path. Um, I just want to say, like. I really wouldn't miss it, but I'm. Well, you did stay there. Podcast. You are. You just want a webby for a podcast. You and entertainment. I'm just saying you just <laughs> left it for Coke. I did. <laughs> not leave it for Coke. And well, you I might, might do have one. It. I might show up to a that's right on the webby. Okay, like just. <laughs> oh my I God, go, go go go! So, this is happening. Freaknik is taking over, and in comes the well, let's call them the professional core of Atlanta, right? You have the business owners. You have the mayor, Bill Campbell. He's a black mayor at the time. You have the black kind of intelligista people of the world. And Morgan, there became a huge chasm in the city about Freaknik and the students coming there and what it represented. And it went from a green break conversation to a race, class, youth, and image conversation. You had the Black folks who were part of the campus life who were just like, this is not the vision of who we are as students. This is not the vision that we want promoted to the world. There was Because there was a lot of nudity, a lot of pussing, a lot of drinking, and the kind of people have felt like the revelers had gotten out of hand. There was looting. There was all sorts of things that were happening. Then you had the city of Atlanta saying, yo, 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 this is disrupted. We're not a party town. We can't do this. And then you have the organizers saying, wait, what? You're not a party town because you guys welcome white uh, uh, Braves fans every weekend. They be looting, they be uh, beer bottles in the street, all sorts of stuff. you got, every time y'all got a, a Georgia game, it'd be this, it'd be that. They were like, we don't actually see any difference in the behaviors. We just see a difference in our, in the way that we are showing up and in our blackness and our freedom. And then you had other black people saying, well, no, it's not about, it's not about the students being black. But in fact, it really was. And there was this constant debate in the city around how they were going to control these black kids who were coming in. And it's crazy. I read this article, Morgan, in the uh, Washington Post that came, it came out. at the, This is in the height of Freaknik, and, and Mayor Bill Campbell, actually, he was so perplexed that he said he could find solutions to homelessness. He's like, I can find solutions to crime. He's like, but there ain't no solution to Freakness. He was like, that's how passionate people were on one side of the argument or the other side of the argument. And he was like, it is dividing the city. It was dividing the city though, partially Morgan, because of the economics of it as well. Freaknik was bringing in millions of dollars to the city. And so keep in mind as these black businesses are growing, this black middle-class is growing. they're like, and we have the power to control what our celebrations and what our city looks like in response to that. Eventually the city started to do what cities start to do. And keep in mind that this is Atlanta hosted the Olympics, Morgan, in 1996. In 1993, Fricknick had like 300,000 people and the city was like, we don't want them coming back. The next year, Mayor Bill Campbell tried to convince New Orleans to take on Freaks. He was like, please take this on. We don't want this. And New Orleans was like, we don't want it here either. The major reason that Bill Campbell didn't want it coming back was because the Atlanta was expecting two million visitors from all over the world coming for the Olympics. They had invested these millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars. And they felt that the image of the black kids partying, having fun was going to keep the international visitors away. Here is something that I love when I was. That's like telling your cousins they can't come to Thanksgiving because, you know, they'd be talking too much weed. (laughs) Like, you, your cousins can still come Atlanta. You ain't too brand new for the Olympics, Atlanta. And that's what people were saying. They were like, first of all, this is, (laughs) we make the city pop. And by the way, history proves them right. Atlanta is a mecca now for the music industry, for the film industry. It is a global destination for partying. And what they were trying to say is, no, this is actually what brings people to the city, too. Like, this is actually what people come here for. And people just didn't have that vision. They couldn't see what was going to be happening over the city over the next 25 years and how from Real Housewives of Atlanta, the Simon Gitter and the biggest club promoter down there, that it was going to be what it was going to be. And it wasn't until people could start to prove it economically, by the way, because money talks that they started to back off. But essentially what the city did is, first of all, they after 1994 with which it did have some major issues, Morgan, including there were several shootings. There was over 10 rapes reported that weekend. So there were some real major issues. The city basically decided to shut down. And in 1995, restaurants across the city were closing. Hotels refused to take, imagine this, Atlanta has like one of the largest concentrations of hotels in the country. Hotels refused to take reservations for the weekend. For the first time since 1936, Atlanta's major dogwood festival, the festival that happens in the park, they canceled the, the uh, dogwood festival. They essentially were like, we will make it so uncomfortable that they no longer want to come here and that it actually worked. They made it so uncomfortable that people decided not to come and it actually worked. And so in 1997 essentially the city no longer actually started hosting the Freaknik festival and it started to become one of those things where it went from a okay, this is not a VIP place. And Jermaine Dupree was like, yeah, this was the place where like Snoop Dogg would come down and like all these big people. And he was like, it wasn't about VIP. We were with the people to like, you know how things get. Sponsors want to try to get in there. The city's shutting stuff down. And it eventually died. And by the way, the city then tried to come back with some students from the a- from the AU Center and they tried to make it into a Freedom Fest. And people was like, Freedom Fest and Freakness? Not the same energy, not the same vibe, not the same thing. And so that didn't work either. So Freaknik actually eventually out. We have now so much archival footage that actually shows and and explains like what's going on and what it looks like and what it felt like. And a question I have for you, Morgan, is actually about the, one of the biggest controversies is about the way women were treated in Freaknik and about like the nudity. And I just wonder, what do you think about the freedom? Because to me, it felt like freedom and fun when I look at it. But then I also understand that there's like a degradation and a women's empowerment thing. I'm just wondering like, when you think of Freaknik, what do you think of? I think it's a good question, Vanessa. I don't... First of all, I was really sad to hear about the rapes. And I don't think that has anything to do with the way women dress. It's never an excuse. And when I think about free I think about fun. I think about our community. I think about Fela Kuti and the dancers. I think about African culture. I think about freedom and women expressing their own sexual freedom, which is something I never grew up doing. So I don't actually but I don't have any respectability hardly in me (laughs) at all. But I do think you touched on exactly what it is that I think made so many people uncomfortable and continues to make many people uncomfortable, which is women expressing their sexual freedom is a thing, especially amongst black women, where we will cut somebody off in a minute, Morgan, in a minute. Like, over some like mm, she acting this way or mm, she's acting that way and like that to me is like when I have the conversation with people about freak nick it's like either you fall on one side of the table or you're not and there's like so much judgment around women in particular and our agency over our bodies and the way that we dress and how we should show up and I describe it exactly and feel exactly the way you felt about it and I also just want to encourage us to understand that there's that agency looks different for, for many of us and that we should all kind of question ourselves when we find ourselves applying a level of judgment to the way a woman dresses in particular. Like it happens so frequently. Yeah. Like I actually saw it over Easter weekend so significantly with people making comments on social media about like, and don't be showing up in them tight dresses and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, why do you have to do that? But Vanessa, a- but Vanessa, the dresses be too tight. I don't know, it's just the the body dresses to be too though. tight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they'd be Look. going up to the pulpit. and it'd be distracting. <laughs> it'd be distracting. <laughs> it's just be like. There's a time we in The place. To celebrate. the resurrection. We to celebrate. I'm just saying no I understand I understand exactly what you're saying and I'm actually curious to hear the other side of things so if you fall on the other side of things or around yeah. like you know respectability or like you know there's people even like in this modern talking about like I think like, modesty might like be modesty another word. maybe is less you yeah. but like genuinely values-based yeah Yeah. Or even like decorum, like, you know, particularly when I think about Spelman, I think about, or even black sororities, I think about decorum. I just never was a part of any of that. And so, you know, my dad wears cowboy boots to barbecue. So like, I'm just saying that's how I grew up. But then my mom was, my mom did have modesty. She wore jeans skirts past her knee and that sort of thing. So I would just be curious of an assessment from somebody else around the Freaknik and like, particularly parents of girls. Yeah. And if you think about like in today's age where we say celebrate a Nicki Minaj or a Meg The Stallion because our culture has kind of changed, I still think there's questions around, okay, but what does that mean for young girls who are still trying to define their sexuality, still trying to figure out who they are and still trying to create an identity that doesn't have to be, I think, sex-based. I, I do wonder like Because Freaknik and what was happening there was a precursor to Lil' Kim, a precursor to Make the Stallion, a precursor to, you know, the Nicki Minaj's of the world. And I just wonder, like, what does that mean for our young girls? I was one of those young girls at the time because I was like maybe like 14 or 15 at the height of Freaknik, And I felt like I turned out pretty good. But I also understand the argument (laughs) that women could make that says that like our girls are overly sexualized and the images that we produced and the stuff that we were doing was contributing to that. Yeah. I feel like during Freak Nick, I mean, you mentioned school days. There were so many other images of black women mm-hmm. that like, you know, that there was some diversity. I, actually, I was clutching my pearls at one of them award shows, with Meg Thee Stallion, all of them, because it was just like there was no, you know, at least they'd be bringing on like B.B. Yes. and or something. There was, right? there was literally like no... <laughs> Diversity. We have Stephanie Mills, like right? You have Freakness <laughs> and you have <laughs> Stephanie Mills over there. So it's like you at least had a little bit of diversity, yes. Look. Uh, so I do just there. caution us to be like, I don't want us also to be commodified for like our for being extreme which is sometimes how i feel like like real housewives of atlanta it's just like are there some normal people that are housewives no just everybody look like this <laughs> you know so i do right. i do wish for somebody who's always the fringes myself and really prided myself on having my own identity i do like wish for like diversity of identities for black women so it's what and i like about like um if you think about like a woodstock or like a um, yeah. Burning Man is that you do kind of see, like particularly for women, you see a broader range of how women can show up. But if you think of like a freak neck, it really, there's there's more of a uniform, it feels like, which is how you get attention. And that, that is problematic and it's problematic. So, I mean, part of it that is, is like the video culture and like, you know, Luke and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I hear that. Well, before we end, I will say that the... Freaknik came back. Did you know that Freaknik came back two years ago? It's like the Apollo Theater. It keeps coming back <laughs> under different names, different yeah. owners. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it came back yeah. and it rebranded itself as a family-friendly event. And it had mixed reviews because <laughs> some people were just like, if it ain't broke... Don't fix it. And people were just saying, so like, like, can, we can we just talk about the fact now that everybody who was at Freak Nick got a family now? <laughs> I'm just saying, it's pretty appropriate. <laughs> it is. Everybody's 52. Look, and they're like, 52, 53. and all oh, those I'm people sad. with the asymmetrical haircuts and your boo who you met down there and now your kids who, I guess your kids would have to be like, what, 28, 27. They, yeah. Yeah. Y'all can I'm all saying, like I'm saying. Yeah, they could go together with their children. That's <laughs> With their children. It's so good. I didn't know any of this about Freak Nick. I've learned so much on this episode. About I didn't know anything about it. And I just want to um, end by shouting out Shiloh of and College, by the way, Morgan. Because that after I did all of the notes, I was like, and it's a black woman. Like all of this comes, like, there's so many people involved with it right now, so many things. that I was just if like, if I had to bet money on who started Freak I would never have thought that it was a black woman from Spelman. And that gives me so much delight. It gives me so much delight. It gives me so much yeah. delight. I loved it. I hope you guys enjoyed this story on a Friday. The playlist is a freak nick playlist. It's fire. We got some Down, some Doodoo Brown. It's really good. I highly <laughs> recommend that you get into it. The nineties were just a good time, like for us. Like things were, they just, were. like the nineties were a good time. Vanessa, and, when you yeah. just said Doodoo Brown, speaking of Casey Wilson, shout out to my friend Casey who's the DJ now. I don't know his DJ name. Him DJ and, Casey, uh, Mr. Wilson, with, no. Mr. Wilson, something like that, yeah. yeah. Shout out to him. Follow him on Instagram. But I'm saying, do you know, their You know, they went to um, Florida A&M. They, mm-hmm. to come on. they used to invert their bodies. And they would undulate upside down against the wall <laughs> at every party. That's something you learn in Florida <laughs> A&M. Sorry, you didn't learn. They I don't know. learn that at USC or UCLA. We didn't have that, y'all. Don't. We had to learn it they from them don't. boys down in the Florida A&M. Listen, I'm blushing right now. I was just like, Can y'all please stop doing this? <laughs> Every party, but it was good. I can't wait to hear the playlist. I can't wait. I'm gonna play it on vacation. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. We we'll see we'll see you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow will be so special. Tell everybody to dial in. We will send all the information and do it at a special time so it doesn't conflict with your actual cruise. But we want to hear from you so start thinking about your own testimonials from Black History Boot Camp. Did you have an aha? Was there a favorite episode? in any Black History Bootcamp, not even just this series. What do you love? What do you want us to know? Maybe you just want to holler at us, talk. We figured we would end tomorrow by celebrating our very own crew, and that is you. So you will be the feature for tomorrow's walk, all right? So we will see you guys. It's a special walk tomorrow, Saturday, and you are the featured crew. So we want you, we will send all the information out for you to dial in, Raise your hand. Do what you got to do so that you can join Vanessa and I in the conversation. can't wait to hear from so many of you. All right. So we will talk to you all later. Vanessa, thank you so much for doing this. It was great. You're welcome. We're going to go out on a classic song. Hopefully it makes y'all feel like good, like you're going to get off work or maybe you sneak out early. Maybe you call up somebody. <laughs> it's like it feels like it's going to be one of those days. We're going to hold out on my booth, those town DJs.